0: Welcome back to another episode of the Good Things Guide Jackpod. This week is dedicated to all of our incredible heroes working on the front line. Those doctors and nurses that are tirelessly doing everything they can to fight COVID 19. I've invited Mike Sharman, a very good friend of mine, he's been on the jackpot before, to join me as we uh, create a little panel where we're going to interview a couple of these doctors and get a behind the scenes look at what's really happening on the front line every single day. One of our first guests is Dr. Peter Cole, a pathologist who heads up a private laboratory, Lancet. And we're going to be chatting to him just to find out what it's like on the front line and sort of what is going on. In the testing grounds dr cole welcome to the good things guy jackpot thank you first off Sharman and i we've got a bunch of questions that we want to understand but for me what is it like working on the front line and being in that space where you guys are doing all this thorough testing every single day
1: it's been hard work in the first two weeks because when the uh, epidemic hit us at the beginning of march we thought we had stocked up enough kits and had enough staff on the ground and enough equipment in the lab, but we rapidly realized that we just didn't have enough of anything. So we were hit by a wave of about 2,000 requests per day in the first week of March, which overwhelmed us and resulted in a backlog, of course, and then the need to hunt around the world for testing kits, put in more staff work day and night, and attempt to get the test results out in 24 to 48 hours, which was the promise. So the first few weeks was difficult, in the third week, once the lockdown began and patients stayed at home or people stayed at home, it has become quieter. So our, our daily request rate is about 800 to 1,000 tests per day, which we're coping with quite well at the moment and meeting our turnaround time targets. The problem remains kit supplies from overseas because as you've seen on TV, the US, Italy, Britain, Spain are ramping up testing and consuming kits and manufacturers have a limited supply. So we stand in line. Where do those kits come from, Dr. Cole? Like, Where do you source them from? We're running three different platforms, one called Roche, one called Thermo Fisher, one called MagnaPure Gene. The kits come from South Korea, from Germany and from the States mainly. And uh, we are chopping and changing as we get supplies. So last week, especially when the, the lockdown affected international freight flights, we were never sure on what day a plane would be landing or if a plane would be landing and what it was carrying. So. We were living from hand to mouth this uh, week it's got a bit better and we have for example about a hundred thousand amplification kits in stock but only about five thousand extraction kits which is the other part of the test which is but about just- one week's supply so we we are waiting for more planes to land this week and hopefully clear customs over the weekend and then we might have more of a buffer.
2: I want to touch on something that actually is like, it's probably the most positive thing that I've heard from your stats that you've released to us now is the fact that lockdown has actually had quite a huge impact On the amount of tests that you are having to do daily because I personally went for a test at the start of the process prior to social distancing and prior to lockdown because I traveled to the UK recently and as precautions I went and and took my test at a Lancet lab in in Rabonia and for me at the time the people on the ground were indicating that we were looking at upwards of four to five thousand tests being conducted a day so for you to say that we're down to 800 or a thousand at this current time that's pretty promising.
1: It is in a way, but we're not sure whether we are by under testing, not missing the epidemic, you know, because people might be staying at home with symptoms, but deciding to self-isolate rather than than come for a test. And we aren't testing much in the community. So one doesn't know whether the low number of tests are due to the epidemic being under control because of the lockdown or because of just under testing that we're just not seeing the patients. One of the things that
0: I find very interesting is the testing time. When this all started a couple of weeks ago, I think the testing time was in 48 hours that you would get the results back. But that seems
1: to have shortened. It's all dependent on workload. Our theoretical testing capacity at Lancet is about 4,000 tests a day if we have the kits available. At the moment, we're probably able to do about 2,000 a day and we're getting 800 to 1,000 requests. So we are well within our capabilities both from a Analyzer, staff, and kit point of view. But if the epidemic is to ramp up as it has done in other countries, and we get back to four or 5,000 test requests per day, then a backlog builds up, and that's where the problems begin.
2: Dr. Cole, in terms of the actual numbers that are being reported on the daily basis from the Department of Health, how far behind the actual numbers do you think we are? Do you think that that is? a third of the reality, a fifth? Like, is there any way that we can quantify that so that we can really have a bit of a hypothetical understanding of where we're really at in terms of cases?
1: All the private labs and NHLS are sending daily data feeds to NICD now. So NICD has the data real time. So the minister's announcements are probably 24 hours behind actual reality because we find that, you know, because we're bringing tests in from Cape Town, Durban, Bloemfontein, etc., cetera, and there are, Transport constraints at the moment, there are always tests or, or samples in the line that come still coming in. So, for example, if we get 800 requests today, about 500 of those will only hit the lab tomorrow. In that sense, we'll always be a day behind the requests, but I think that's worldwide acceptable because the test itself does take about 12 hours to perform as well. So it has the transport time and the testing time. So there's gonna be a natural delay, but there's no backlog as far as I know at any of the labs. So we're up to date with the, with the tests that are in the laboratory.
0: I must say for the rest of South Africa, we thank you for your service. Cause obviously all of us are in lockdown and trying to stay home. Whereas you're going out into the field every single day. You did mention in the beginning of this that um, you and your team are working exorbitant hours. Are you at all concerned during this process that
1: um, you might catch COVID-19? Yes, I mean, we have probably about two, 300 staff members working in the main lab at the moment doing testing and they're, because of the nature of laboratories, are closer than the two meters, I guess. So although we're issuing masks and practicing social distancing and washing hands, we are in a environment, I think, which might be conducive to infections. Having said that, we haven't had any yet, Touchwood. So uh, let's hope that we don't. In
0: terms of the colleagues that you work with, and uh, the teams that you're working with. Is there anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to? Obviously you guys are working crazy long hours. And for us, we don't know who the heroes are, but we know that you guys are heroes working on the front line. So if there's anybody that you would just like to give a shout out to, I think now's the time.
1: We have a lot of people working extremely hard and sacrificing their weekends and nights to get the testing out. Our virologists, especially because they're at the front line in terms of interacting with doctors and advising on who to test and what to do with positive results, and how to deal with in-hospital outbreaks are Dr. Alison Glass, Dr. Liana Marie, Dr. Stephen Miller, and Professor Eftekir Vardis. But as well as that, we have a team of about 10 microbiologists also helping, and all the other 100-plus pathologists at Lancet are doing their bit in terms of taking calls, answering queries, making sure that the rest of the lab runs, because of course COVID is not the only thing we're dealing with. We still have all our routine specimens, and they need to be dealt with timelessly and accurately. So I think the whole team, all of Lancet, is uh, assisting to make sure that we get through this epidemic and deliver good quality healthcare. I was just interested in
2: you taking us through the average day of a Lancet lab employee or tester right now because obviously we've been i mean i've been through the process there's people that are kitted up and masked up and everything and we don't really appreciate how many hours these people are at the station so i went to the rochester place for my tests so can you take us through the journey of one of those employees days so that we can almost empathize with with what they're going through and how hard they're actually working for south africans to get their tests out as quickly as possible
1: There's a chain of people working, I guess. It starts with the the nurse or phlebotomist taking the swab, which in itself requires training, because to take the nasopharyngeal swab is not something one does every day. So that's required some training. The nursing staff are working shifts day and night, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. We cover 24-7, so that goes on every day of the year. Then the sample leaves the depot where it's been collected, and a, a messenger or courier has to transport it into the central lab also wearing a mask and not getting infected. Then at the laboratory, we've got the data-capturing staff capturing all the demographic details, and then the lab assistants that have to cut the swabs and put them in a, in a buffer to release the virus. Then uh, technologists that put the specimens onto the what we call extraction platforms, which remove the RNA from the cells on the nasopharyngeal swab. That's about a three-hour process, and then another three hours onto the amplification platforms. And then the pathologist at the end has to review all the results, make sure the controls are correct, and release them and sign them out and then phone all the positives out to the doctors and the hospitals. So it's a chain of people all have to be working optimally to make sure there are no mistakes and that the result gets out at the end. So thank you to all of them because they're they're all doing a great job.
2: That's super. And and we salute you and your colleagues. And we're grateful for you in uh, these business unusual times. Thank you, Dr. Cole.
0: Thank you for your time, Dr. Cole. Thank you. The second doctor that we have on the Sharman and Brent question celebrating healthier professionals today is a community service doctor at Seville King Hospital, Dr. Kirsten Grant. Welcome to the Good Things Guy Jackpot.
3: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Look, for us, we're all staying at home. Well, most of us are staying at home. We're in our houses trying to be heroes by staying locked down. But a lot of us don't understand what it's like inside the hospitals now. Can you give us just a bit of a picture?
3: At the moment, the cases are quite low and we've got things sort of under control. I'm working actually on the front line. So I'm working in casualty at the moment. So we're seeing a lot of respiratory cases. We're trying to develop protocols in order to deal with these patients coming in, you know, and obviously stop the spread, etc. So basically what it's like at the moment is an influx of patients coming in who are worried about being um, COVID positive, who are worried about being exposed to to people who have been COVID positive and now COVID negative, and also obviously transmitting to their little ones and family members. Um, But right now it's quite stable. I think lockdown has been great. It's dropped our trauma cases a lot. So it's allowed us to focus on those respiratory cases and determine whether they're COVID or not.
0: Dr. Grant, I need to ask, I don't know what a normal doctor's day is like but are you working really long hours right now
3: at the moment um we're still keeping our usual hours so i work a normal a normal day job and then i'm expected to do four to five calls a month which consists of about anything from 18 to 24 hours and obviously we're expected to stay at the hospital throughout the night wearing the heavy masks and protective gear but yeah, that's roughly the hours that we're working. Um, luckily, after a long call, we get to have some time off to rest and recuperate. Um, but then we back to work the next day. I want to ask
2: you something, Kirst. In terms of, you know, you said there's been a, a reduction in trauma admissions because yes. of the lockdown. And I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating results off the back of lockdown is that, you know, usually South Africa is an actual hotbed of road deaths and traffic disasters during Easter. And now, you know, this can be positively like the silver lining to lockdown is that we're forcing people not to move around and there'll be a hell of a lot less deaths on the road this Easter.
3: Definitely, most definitely the silver lining. And us doctors are actually very grateful for it. You know, I'd love to chat to a human behavioral specialist about, about what's been happening with this lockdown because it's so crazy that you can take, as soon as you take alcohol out of the picture, as soon as you encourage people to stay at home, people are not going out, they're not drinking, they're not, the stabbings, the car accidents, like you said, during Easter, usually we get this dramatic influx of trauma cases, filling up our beds, using up all of our resources. And we're so grateful now that it's decreased dramatically. It's hopefully going to set some, some good behavioral habits for the future and hopefully have a positive influence on our healthcare system.
2: And I think that's the thing, right, is that most of the people listening to this podcast, we are extremely privileged. Like we have a medical aid or we have some kind of support that we're not exposed to the reality of everyday South Africans who are attending government hospitals that you are in the front lines at.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. You you know, people don't realize um, we can sort of just phone our GP, make an appointment, pop in and pop out and get your script. But if we have a busy day at the hospitals, um, you know, I can have an elderly gentleman who's got some chest pain. He can be waiting for very long hours. You know, he can be waiting there with with severe pain. I've got patients with an appendicitis that, if, um, like for example, the other day, um, a patient with gunshot abdomen comes in, the appendicitis needs to be pushed aside because it's you know something more urgent. So, what people don't realize is that we need to prioritize our resources, and we don't have enough to give everyone care as they need it at the right time. So we have to sort of risk stratify and take most urgent cases first. And unfortunately, the less urgent cases come last.
2: In terms of like new diseases or new viruses that infiltrate the world, yes. how do doctors get briefed on these things? Because at the speed at which this pandemic reached across the world, like what do you do? Do you wake up one morning and then you get the doctor's mail, like the bat signal, and <laughs> you Jump on a call, and then everyone gets zoomed in on how to deal with the new corona COVID nineteen. How did that process happen? I mean, sure, we were obviously a little bit behind the curve in terms of the rest of the world. But do you wake up and then you're on the doctor's WhatsApp group of the world, and everybody, come <laughs> in. Time to be- yeah,
3: deal with this. And that- That's actually a great question, um, and something I haven't been asked before. It's terrifying, to be honest. You know, you I've I've had the privilege of studying at Vets Medical School, which is world renowned, and they don't they don't exactly teach you about a a COVID pandemic that's going to hit the world in twenty twenty. But what we've done is we've sort of had great. uh, I work under the most incredible um, doctors, profs, and consultants, and what we've done we do like you said have a group and. We've had the privilege of having lots of resources from the Department of Health and from all these specialists being shared on this group openly. A lot of um, podcasts and webinars, things like that, are being shared. And it's obviously our responsibility then to read up on as much as possible. We've also had the privilege of having um, an infectious diseases specialist um, from Barra. She came to chat to us, as well as our, um, within our uh, hospital as well. A lot of the profs in that that are coming up and, and saying, you know, let's, let's chat to the guys. Let's give you a bit of a brief, a bit of a breakdown because it's daunting. You know, it's, it's something that we aren't familiar with. I mean, we've, we've also just heard about it. And it's, as I said, it's our responsibility now to, to read up and make sure that we are all specialists in COVID.
2: But I think the reality is that we have some of the, the finest healthcare professionals in the world here and something that we can yeah. be proud of. If you think about the extremes that you'd see at Sebo King, at Barra, at those sorts of, of clinics, that's why international training doctors come here because they can be exposed to 180 degrees worth of illnesses, um, yeah. stabbing all different kinds of of things on a daily basis that coupled with the fact that the ncid i believe we have some of the most incredible infectious diseases specialists in the world so we we are the the actual prime spot for solving this stuff and i think we as south africans sometimes we like a small fish on the global scale kind of mentality when in actual fact like we're really damn good at medical
3: yeah we we really are and we need to be part of that that's that's something that people don't realize is that We've got some of the best doctors. You know, what people need to realize is that when COVID hits, if it hits or how it hits, we don't know. But when it hits, we will be prepared and we are prepared. We are used to living in a pandemic and that's that's the essence of it all. We are used to casualties flooded full of patients every day, every night. Um, you know, from being a young, young doctor, being on the floor, you learn a lot and you become very capable to deal with with all of these things. So for us, I think we are really there. We can deal with this pandemic. I'm not saying that COVID doesn't scare us. Of course it does. Of course we have the same fears as, as everyone else, but it's something that we used to. It's, it's not like we're the kind of doctors that sit and see one or two cases every couple of hours. We, we have floods of patients. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I think we can really take this head on.
2: Your life is just is filled with extremes. So yes. how do you decompress? Because for example, I mean for our listeners out there, you're the partner of a of an international regular <laughs> right? so a few a few months ago you're celebrating like these absolute <laughs> of Japan and a World Cup win, and South Africa at the peak of of amazingness. And then here you are, like in the front lines, dealing with people that are walk-ins, that are coughing, and and people that are are potentially at risk of dying from COVID-19. How do you de-stress? Because this isn't an episode of Grey's Anatomy. This isn't some fun (laughs) break room where everyone's swinging and throwing their keys into the salad bowl.
3: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. My partner's an international rugby player. Currently, he's taken up a contract in Japan And yeah, it's been very difficult. So while this was all going on, we found out that South Africa was going on lockdown and he was released from his union. Um, So he tried to come home, but unfortunately, due to flight cancellations and, and such, he wasn't able to get home. It has been quite difficult. And I think that's where the sort of the family and friends had to step in and had to sort of support me through all of this. At the end of the day, you know, we are only human and I have the same fears as even though I'm a healthcare practitioner, I have the same fears as you, you know, when it it comes to transmission to myself or or to family members, you know, is my house clean and am I sanitizing enough? So I've got that same stress and anxiety as, as everyone else does on top of the fact that I have to, you know, expose myself to this every day. Uh, Malcolm has been great, though. He's always so supportive. I just recently found out that all the community service doctors in our hospital are going to be deployed as a COVID unit. So we're we all going to be joining together and we're all going to be working in the front line only with COVID patients. So you can imagine how intimidating that would sound to him. So I sort wow. of phone Malcolm up in, in a shock and say to him, listen, this is what's been happening and you know I have to do this and I want to do this. We, we need to, you know, focus our resources and our energies in the, right, in the right way and we need to have a team. You know, every hospital needs to have a team that can deal with this pandemic and, you know, Malcolm, he just sort of says, you know, don't stress. That's exactly, you know, what you need to be doing and I think sort of, I think he sees my passion for it and he, he supports it 100% and, and that's all I need from him and that's all I sort of need to hear and through all the ups and downs and that's, I think he's, he's been an absolute constant in my life and There's no added pressure and demands in that from him, which has been great. So, yeah, I would like him to be home. I think that would be a bit easier. And, yeah, like you said, with the celebrating World Cup, I mean, how, how amazing. Travelling around Japan like it is nothing. And then a couple of weeks later, Japan almost on lockdown. they beautiful country, um, you know, obviously increasing in cases and that. So it is, it is quite mind-blowing, but it's something that we're faced with at the moment and we just need to keep positive and, and just carry on going.
0: Dr. Granz, I need to ask because you can definitely hear that you are passionate about what you do <laughs> and, and yes. you really care for South Africa and you want to be on the front line helping South Africa through this. Is, is there yes. a fear at all being on the front line that you could catch COVID-19?
3: Of course, of course there is. You know, I said to my mom, you know, family, um, I'm very close to my family. Um, You know, obviously they are panicking and I'm getting messages from uncles and aunts saying, you know, are you okay? And what's happening? Because it's scary for them too. But, you know, I knew that I would be exposed to all sorts of of risks when I entered into this career. Um, And I knew that from the start. Our day to day, even without COVID, we're looking at, you know, your um, TB, your MDR, XDR TBs, you're looking at needle stick injuries, HIV, all of these things that we're exposing ourselves to each and every day. But for me, the benefit outweighs the risk in this career. And I feel a responsibility now to my country and to the people that I work with. I work with the most in the most amazing community at Seville King. And yeah, it's become a part of my heart now and a part of my life. And I've never once thought, you know, just to turn my back and run. And I think that. If you've got a good mentality, you've got a good attitude towards it, your body will, will carry you and you won't get sick. You won't be unhealthy. So I think, I think it is about also, like I said, having the responsibility of keeping yourself healthy. I like to go to the gym. I like to eat properly most times, most days. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that if you, if you keep, keep strong and keep healthy, that you can fight this and you can be a, a good soldier in this, this battle that we're all facing.
0: Sure, I, I've got goosebumps.
2: Absolutely, yeah, uh, snap.
0: It's, it's I just want to thank you. For yeah. us, I see on social media and I see a lot of my, my sort of peers and my friends, everybody's complaining about being stuck at home. And there you are, yeah. frontline, <laughs> doing the best for the country while we all moan. So I just want to yeah. give a big thank you for being so passionate and for caring about the country.
3: Um,
0: with, thank pleasure, you.
3: with pleasure, with pleasure. <laughs> I actually sat the other night We all the sirens going off and ambulances and I paused my TV thinking, oh my goodness, like is there an accident just up the road? You know, should I get into my car? What's what's going on? And then obviously the security groups on, on WhatsApp signaling their appreciation to all the essential services. I went outside and I just, I had such tears in my eyes and I thought to myself, little do these people know that there's doctors and nurses and essential workers in these homes that they sort of giving these sirens to and showing such appreciation and I I really, I take my hat off to all the people that are giving us such support because I don't think we could all do this without you guys. Definitely not.
2: Yo, Um, <laughs> Is there a shout out that you want to give to any names of people on your team that you work closely with? Anyone that's like, just there for you during those 16 hour ridiculous shifts. You're not even going to remember this interview because you like, so oh, <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, sorry. I'm a little bit um, post-call is what we call it. Um, where <laughs> the brain goes a bit, but um, I wouldn't, I don't want to mention names because I wouldn't want to leave anyone out, but just loads of love to my whole team at Civil King, all the nurses, the doctors, everyone in the, in the emergency center that I work with. I really appreciate all of you guys and carry on doing what we do.
2: Shout out to Civil King. Legends. <laughs> Legend. and dr Grant, at seven o'clock tonight i'm
0: going to scream that much louder because i now <laughs> that my screams are not going unnoticed it's um it's
3: enough.
0: you've given me a huge lump in my throat oh,
3: shame yeah you don't realize how much it means to us to know that everyone's sort of and also when i when i drive home at 3 a.m or whenever and early mornings you see everyone in their homes everything's dead quiet and mm. just the appreciation that i have for society for or staying at home, and I, and I can't emphasize how important it is to, to just continue staying at home, flattening that curve. There's a reason why our cases are remaining low, and it's, it's incredible that us small, sunny South Africa, our third world country, can accomplish such a great feat.
0: I'm blown away with the work that you're doing, and it's so silly, because I should have, everybody knows, everybody knows what our doctors and people on the front line are doing, and we just- No, but they the-
2: don't. They don't, Brent. I think this is exactly the, the example. This is why we've interviewed Kirsten and these other doctors is because like, this gives you the reality of what's happening. Like, are—we yep. oh, so selfish. We're so quick to blame. Like, oh, don't, I'm going to lose my creature comforts for 21 days. But hey, look at this, what the reality is out there in real South Africa and real, real human experience.
0: Yes. We love you doctors and nurses and, oh. and care workers. <laughs> and the people that are working in the retailers and everybody that's on the front line. I'm very thankful today and grateful for all the work that you do. Thank you.
2: And thank you to your families for supporting you so that you guys can do what you, you love and your, your, your God-given talent is.
3: Yes, a big thank you to all of our families, to the public, to everybody. We we so appreciate all your support and love and kindness during this time.
0: I'm Brent Lindekew, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy, and you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a jackpot podcast. For more episodes or to subscribe, rate, or review my podcast, go to iTunes, Iona FM, or Google Podcasts. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks, and only good things.